0: Everybody, it's uh, Kirk Henderson here with Kirk Your Enthusiasm, one of the podcasts on the Mavs Moneyball Podcast Network. Today I am joined by a dear friend who I talk to every single day. Uh, Unfortunately for me, a lot of that talk is about the Los Angeles Lakers, but I love him anyway. I have Anthony Irwin of Silver Screen and Roll and also
1: the lead host on Locked On Lakers. Do I have all that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take all of that. And uh, you know, unfortunately, I guess for you, we're still gonna be talking about the Lakers.
0: But that see, and that's why it's it's <laughs> I figured I would put our, our our normal conversation to productive use and, and let some of Mavs yeah. land hear uh you know what we have coming because you know both teams are three and one. They played, you know, games last night. The Lakers are coming off three straight double-digit victories. Uh the 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 competition hasn't been the fiercest and the mavericks are three and one playing after coming off perhaps the ugliest win i can remember in recent memory last night against the nuggets and so each team is going to have a couple days rest and they play friday night on espn which will be a lot of fun because uh I, i think and this is partially what i wanted to have you on to discuss i think all four of the headliners are healthy um how how are like i know anthony davis has been dealing with some shoulder stuff is mm-hmm. is he just kind of working through pain or is he actually injured what do you know
1: i well i if he was actually injured i don't think he'd be playing uh the lakers the lakers especially now that they've kind of seen what he and lebron can do they're they were on the same page in preseason and then for some reason against the clippers and i think it's because of some of the things the clippers were doing defensively they kind of fell off of that same page. They weren't doing nearly as much two-man game. Now over these last few games, as you've said, against some lesser competition, they have started going back to that two-man game and have looked pretty dominant in in doing so. And so the Lakers now, they kind of know, okay, now it's just about getting to the playoffs, staying healthy and all that. So if if Davis was actually injured, I don't think he'd be going. He's just kind of dinged up. He we, The theory, the running theory is that He missed a dunk uh, against Charlotte and in doing so kind of tweaked his shoulder there. And and, you know, if if it was going to show up, you would think it would show up on a night where he shot 27 free throws, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, but he made 26 of them. So I, I think he's okay.
0: Yeah, so this should air on Halloween. So for anybody late to the party, Anthony Davis posted 40 points and 20 rebounds in 30 minutes, which is a basketball reference feat that has not been done before. Yeah. Um I I can't emphasize how impossible that sort of thing is after 50, 75 years of basketball and really, you know, good statistics going back at least, you know, 50 years. This is I mean, he was he was incredible. Now, obviously, when you get to the free throw line more times in one game than Lonzo ball got to the free throw line last year, you know, that's, that's really going to help. But yep. uh, so, so talk to me about the Anthony Davis experience a little bit, because uh, mass fans are fairly familiar with him. He, you know, m- during the Anthony Davis era, the teams are basically uh, the the New Orleans Pelicans and the Mavericks basically played 500 ball, which is really surprising because I think for at least you know, six of those seven years, Davis was the clear best player uh, between both rosters. So what's it like, you know, seeing him get unlocked a little bit as he's playing with, you know, one of the best players of all
1: time in LeBron James? It's been last night. It felt unfair. Like it felt <laughs> <laughs> like he because he, Memphis is is the the rare combination of of bad and small And he Mm -hmm. just rips apart that kind of a front court. And, you know, the the frustrating thing over the first couple games and and in stretches where the Lakers have kind of dawdled, he takes a lot of fadeaway jumpers, a lot of them, off the dribble, turnaround fadeaways, stuff that, like, yes, I, I bet to him feel like a good shot because he's so wide open, he's so far up above the defense that it feels like he's unguarded but you know you compare that to anything going to the rim or getting to the free throw line and you really see the difference in him as a player and last night it was just i don't i really can't recall too many fadeaway jumpers everything was going to the rim if it wasn't going directly at the rim it was going more straight up for hook shots and stuff that he was also getting fouled on it was just it it felt like shaq it <laughs> it really it really did it it was it was just so a lot of people who maybe didn't necessarily watch the game were saying, "God, twenty-seven free throws! How is that a thing? How is he getting to the line that much?" And there was some complaining about it, like, "Oh, no player should ever get to the line that much." I and don't know. I'm
0: looking at the fouls. It looked like they just beat the crap out of him in an attempt <laughs> to, to stop
1: him. Is was, that is that kind of what happened? They had no other choice. But they they had and and you know it was it was that's really how it felt like over the course of the game was that they had no the other team had no choice against him. And he just basically the one nice thing I like about Anthony Davis is if he feels like he has an edge, he doesn't get bored utilizing that edge, utilizing that advantage. Sometimes with bigs, they'll get kind of bored with, well, I'm taller than you. I guess I'll just step out here and take a mid range jumper or something like that. No, Davis, Davis yesterday basically said, you guys can't stop me. There's nothing you can hope to do to stop me, but follow me. And if it takes me shooting, 3,000 free throws I'm going to shoot 3,000 free throws
0: yeah uh, this is a pretty ridiculous box score line to me and it's it's not a Laker it's a Memphis Grizzly player my second favorite player in last year's draft was Jaron Jackson Jr. yeah who somehow uh, had he had you know he had seven points six rebounds five personal fouls and only 18 minutes and he also (laughs) finished with a plus 11 I don't it really is. know how that happens, but it's it's very funny. You're looking at the box score from from the 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 game last night and they clearly just kept throwing out different players because everybody seemed to play like 20 to 25 minutes for the or for the the Grizzlies because they just didn't they didn't know what to do.
1: Yeah, it what? was it, it was a throw crap at the wall and hope something sticks kind of game and nothing stuck.
0: Well, so we know, you know, this is year 17 of LeBron. He's particularly absurd. He looks to be really you know, making the Anthony Davis fetch thing happen in terms of the game, you know, his (laughs) statistical lines are no, like, they're so gaudy, but they're not, you know, the, the LeBron lines of the past thus far. Is that from, from what you guys can tell, is that like a concerted effort on his part to make Anthony Davis the guy? Or is it really Anthony Davis kind of taking, taking reins himself? Like, what what do you think? Well, I think,
1: I think it's a little bit of both. I think, So heading into the season, there was a lot of talk, especially from LeBron saying that he wanted Davis to be the focal point this year. And, and a lot of people just kind of said, okay, sure. Yeah. All right. You know, like one of those, it felt like one of those things that he says in the off season that that immediately falls by the wayside. And um, I, I think what the, the strategy here is on nights, like against Memphis on nights, like against, you know, lesser opponents, he's going to make Anthony Davis the the focal point of the offense. It's going to be Anthony Davis' team. And then when they play against better teams, he's going to try to flip that switch and, and go back into force of nature, LeBron. The one problem with that, though, and we saw it in the first half of really all three of these games, is the Lakers really respond to however LeBron is approaching the game. So if he is in go mode, everybody's in go mode if he's in more lackadaisical, whatever mode, even though it's Anthony Davis, who is, who is talented enough, obviously to carry an offense, everybody else just kind of goes into that lackadaisical mode. So what, what's going to be interesting to watch over the course of the season is can the Lakers break away from just responding to, to LeBron's energy level, because if he has to be a force of nature for 82 games, it's just not going to work out.
0: Well, okay. So we've talked a little bit about the stars and, you know, the Mavericks and Lakers have some 50,000 foot similarities in the sense that the way the teams are built focus around two guys mm-hmm. and then there's basically everybody else. Now, a little later on in the pod I want to give you a chance to to, you know, pick at me a little bit about the Mavericks, but I'd like to focus on the Lakers just for a few more minutes. Mm-hmm. How has the rest of that rotation you know worked itself out and what are your concerns and or hopes about a, you know the two guys who are still on you know injury watch meaning Rajon Rondo and Kyle Kuzma
1: well the longer rajon rondo is on injury watch the better the lakers are going to be <laughs> uh. <laughs> but with kuzma kuzma's actually they they miss kuzma in in this regard the, by the most he's the lakers only non lebron player who is the size of a normal shoot uh, wing, right? He's the only like six, seven, six, eight player that the Lakers have that isn't LeBron James. And it really shows they've had to go to like three and four guard lineups. Um, And then, you know, Jared Dudley has had to carry some of the burden when they, when they want to play four out basketball. And when Kuzma comes back, that makes those lineups a lot more natural. Uh, Kuzma coming back also might take away from some of JaVale's minutes because Dwight has been a revelation. I can't believe I'm saying that in 2019, but he's like a a legitimate fan favorite out here. It's wild. Um, But yeah, I think Kuzma coming back and he might come back as soon as Friday. The Lakers are actually doing this weird thing with him today. uh, As we record this on, what is it? Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, What they're doing is they're, they're, the whole team has a day off, but Kuzma is going to practice with the, the defenders, The I guess so the South sure. Bay Lakers now. And the point of that is so that they can have him have a couple practices under his belt and be good to go for you know Friday's game. They really well, want to get him play. back. They, they want him back. Uh, it's just a matter of his conditioning, um, okay. according to Shams Karani the, the other day. So, yeah, I, I think if he comes back, that makes the Lakers a, a different team in terms of what they're capable of, especially on offense. Uh, and the thing that, you know, you asked throughout rotations, the sooner the Lakers move away from JaVale in the starting lineup, I think the better they're going to be. Dwight Howard has been, he's just a smarter player than JaVale, which, you know, low bar, but uh, he's, he's just been better flat out energy wise, in terms of intelligence uh, he's a lot more forceful on defense jaVale just kind of like backs off and hopes that ad cleans up everything Mm -hmm. dwight has actually been out there been you know and and creating problems so um the thing that i'm really interested to watch in how the lakers match up against you guys is they use basically only drop coverage on pick and roll and you can't do drop coverage on on luka you just can't Mm -hmm. so
0: well that's that's you know and maybe we should pivot a little bit to the Mavs. This is a Mavs podcast. I'm sure my listeners are mildly annoyed <laughs> with me, but you know, I want to want to talk. You know, uh, the timing of this worked out just because there's a two gig, two day gap. You were available. This is this is a very big test for the Mavericks. The Lakers have enough top tier talent. When you have two of the best seven eight guys in the league, things tend to work itself work themselves out, even if there's not injuries uh, Porzingis and the map, Maver- uh, Porzingis and, and Luca and the Mavericks are still really figuring a lot of things out. Uh, I know we didn't have a chance to talk last night after the game, but that was Luca just played his worst professional basketball game by a country mile. He did hit mm-hmm. the game winner, but he was tentative. He looked, he, he kind of looked like he might've been feeling poorly, honestly, mm-hmm. but it was just one of these games. And so as they head in, you know, to, as they host the Lakers. It's fairly well known that LeBron is essentially his idol um yeah. i I you know and lebron is Makes is sense. is at that strange age where he probably doesn't really care because he's still in his prime, and it's like it's nice to be respected, but it's also probably a little awkward uh like there was that that kind of that detailed story about Luca hanging out to get his jersey is one of those things that's it's, it's gonna be cringe worthy the further we get away from it, even <laughs> if at the time it was a little bit cute. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be really interested to see how they show up because uh, you know, win or loss, they need to at least play the Lakers very they need to at least play the Lakers well because despite the fact that the Lakers, I do believe, have top-tier uh the like the better tandem of the two. That's not really in question in terms of talent, mm-hmm. the the Mavericks have at least shown through the first four games to have a really interesting bench. Mm-hmm. Uh last night they had uh 61 points off the bench and and that's kind of a ridiculous number and,
1: and that's so a good I, team that's a good bench that you guys are playing against too
0: well it was it was the nuggets are odd in their own right because i don't think their coach not like their coach won't play michael porter jr which is a baffling thing um he's a good basketball player you should play good basketball players that's kind of my rule uh as an nba fan so yeah. i but watching how these two benches and really just how the you know the the back end of the rotation, the the guys three through eight really met, play one another. Could ultimately decide the game because you know Luca is is going to score unless LeBron decides he wants to lock him up. Uh, Porzingis has been strange. I I he his box scores always look pretty interesting, but they're never they've not even it's I don't know what to expect from him game to game yet. And then after that, it's been just a hodgepodge, like each guy, each night, it's been a different guy. And I don't. That gives me a little bit of hope that somebody could go nuts against the Lakers. But it also gives me a little bit of worry because it's a you know big it's it's an enormous national stage game that that, you know, I, I don't know what what to really expect.
1: So I, I'm I'm looking at the roster right now for Dallas, and the players that make me the most nervous are obviously Luca because of, like I said, the, the drop coverage issue and in, in covering the pick and roll, and also Seth Curry, uh, sure. Avery, Avery Bradley uh, has been, you know, I fans love him because he plays tremendous eye test defense, and he what you know, what he's basically been doing is he's gone out there and and look, he played, he's played really well against some pretty good point guards and, and primary ball handlers. But what he's run into trouble with is a foul trouble and then B losing his guy because he's being overly aggressive. And uh Curry is obviously not some incredible athlete, but he's at least, he, he at least understands how to either get into the defender and use that to his benefit or just get by completely or whatever. And, So I I think Seth is somebody that I'm, I'm nervous about. Uh, It's going to be interesting how they guard him. I think, I don't think LeBron would match up against Luca unless it's a really big possession. I think the Lakers would probably go more with Danny green guarding him. I think that's an, that's an okay-ish matchup. He's lengthy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's smart. He's, he's really smart at, at utilizing angles and getting over the pick and roll and stuff. So I I think that will be interesting to watch. Uh, The, the, Porzingis Davis dynamic here is going to be really interesting because like on one hand he has the size of a seven footer that Davis doesn't want to go up against. But on the other hand, he, he spaces the floor. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how the Lakers are going to guard. Like you don't want Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee in space, but also if, if Davis is out there, he doesn't want to be matched up against the other team's five. So that's going to, those are the, those are the three things I'm I'm really watching for the most yeah i for he he has
0: he has some interesting tendencies he's not afraid to shoot that's what's yeah. really hilarious <laughs> yeah uh he he has just been gunning and if you check his numbers they don't look very good because nothing's falling he has a lot of in and outs last night i think the altitude actually affected him in denver mm-hmm. and all his shots were short um it's I I just don't know what to expect because if he comes out and starts hitting shots early, then it it might be an open and shut case, but he just hasn't done that. And I mean, he hasn't done that through four preseason, eight, eight regular season games. That's not to say, I don't think he will. It's just mainly a matter of when the shots start to fall. Uh, He, they, they don't like using him as the role man and pick and roll too often. Uh, He tends to be kind of a side spacer with Maxi Kleba or, Uh, let's see here, the returning Dwight Powell, uh, who only, he played like 15 minutes last night. And that sort of thing opens up the center of the lane for these role centers. But I do believe what you're saying, well, you have both like Davis, and then if Dwight's going to play 20 to 25 minutes, that's just going to clog those sorts of things up because both of them are still, you know, uh, Howard's obviously lost some athleticism, but he's Mm -hmm. still got great instincts. And and those, you know, you put those two guys together and it's going to kind of probably cause some, a little bit of, Confusion compared to what Dallas has seen with these these looks that they have at the rim Um, I I'm I'm very interested in in who guards who in this game Um, Maxi Kleba has probably been the second most important Maverick He's guarded a little bit of everybody the last like he guarded Jokic last night He guarded Brandon Ingram against the Pelicans Uh, And that like you can't find two different more different basketball players than those two guys (laughs) And and Davis is obviously just like a cheat code So. I, I suspect he'll probably guard Davis and they hope then just hope that he doesn't get in foul trouble, but calling back to the earlier part of our conversation that, you know, that's one thing that Davis has obviously excelled at this year. So there's going to be a lot of, of, of interesting matchup chess. Um, how yeah. are the minutes distributions for the Lakers so far? Because, you know, like Luke and KP have not shared much time apart. Uh, last night was the first game where Porzingis didn't get like blown off the floor without Luca. But what about LeBron and AD? Are they doing any minute staggering?
1: Yeah, they so basically they they play, they go for a long stretch in the first quarter together. Davis has been placing basically been playing the entire first quarter, and then LeBron subs out, you know, like the nine ish minute mark, takes a breather. Davis will play for another, you know, couple minutes on the other at at the start of the second and then LeBron will come in and they'll stagger and then they'll just like kind of repeat that. Um, And then what they've, what they've basically been doing is the first and second quarter, they'll kind of trudge through the mud with whomever they're playing. And then at some point in the third quarter, when they sub out JaVale for Dwight, for some reason, that specific stretch, they have just been clamping down on the, whoever they're playing and yes, Memphis, like clamping down on them is is not some incredible feat of <laughs> heroicism. Uh, but but I they did that to Utah. And mm-hmm. again, Utah is, you know, especially with the way Conley started out the year, they're still figuring some stuff out as well. But the Lakers just you blinked and the game was over because Utah couldn't score. I think Memphis at one point, I think it was like 69 to 66. Then the Lakers went on a twenty-two to zero run uh against Memphis. And I that's kind of that stretch where in the third quarter Dwight comes in for Javale. Uh, and then you have Green or, or yeah, so you have Bradley Green, LeBron, Davis, and Dwight out there. And they have just been monsters defensively. And and really where it it's really from as you would imagine, the inside out. And the thing that They might run into, though, against Dallas is there are very few teams in the league that can space the floor the way Dallas does. And I think that kind of plays to a major weakness in that group. So it's going to be interesting to see if that if that stretch in the third quarter is still the the big turning point that it has been over the last few games. Well, and that's where Dallas
0: absolutely has been getting slaughtered going back to the beginning of time. I know one of the guys on on Mavs Moneyball is currently looking into this like big picture, but Dallas has just been getting owned so far in third quarter. So that's, hmm. that's going to be particularly fascinating. One of the challenges in terms of, you know, reading into what's happening through four games with the Mavericks is that Rick Carlisle has had four different starting lineups in four games, and he'll probably have a fifth against the Lakers. I think that, you know, one of the the Mavericks are going to be reasonably deep, but they're not super talented with those three through eight guys, like I've mentioned. But what I don't think is going to happen is that they will settle on a starting group, and that is probably going to drive me crazy mm-hmm. because i I want some of these other players, you know, uh, a Jalen Brunson, a DeLon Wright, to have a chance at a defined role that comes with every game, and. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'd think that a coach like Carlisle would really want to settle on something like that, but so far, I just, I, and it's probably going to take a while if he actually does it, and that's particularly interesting. So that that me rambling makes me think of of what I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit about Vogel. How has he been, and do you feel he's been pretty adaptable, or is this just you know such a top heavy talent team that it hasn't it hasn't really become much
1: of an issue yet? He's, I mean, he's in a. As tough a spot as a coach with LeBron James and Anthony Davis can be in, right? Like if if Vogel was to complain about the spot that they're the, the kind of coaching that he has to do, there would be like 27 other coaches in the league that would slap him upside the head. So I, I think for Vogel, what he's been doing, I think he's been really coy with the media in some of the stuff that he says. Like after the first game against the Clippers, he was saying stuff like he was fine with the amount of post post touches that were going on and <laughs> fine with the number of sets and stuff. And and it drove everybody out here insane. Cause you like that, that was the nineties. That's the nineties exist in the nineties for a reason. We we've moved on. Um, but I, I think he's kind of gotten away from that a little bit to, you know, and made the Lakers a better team. As a result, Davis and LeBron two man game is what this team kind of has to be driven by. And, after that first game, they've gotten back to that whenever those guys are on the same court, uh, on the court at the same time. And I think one of the things to really keep an eye on here with this matchup specifically is KP has the size, especially now that he's kind of bulked up a little bit, to knock Davis off of his routes in that two-man game. And at the very least, he has the length to make those passes a little bit more interesting. So if it is KP, that's going to be matched up against, uh, 80, that's going to be fascinating to watch if it's Kleber or if it's Dwight Powell, or if it's any of the other smaller Mavericks, I, I, I would be nervous about that if I was uh, a Mavericks fan, because like I said, Davis has no problem whatsoever. Just continually getting to the rim and forcing the issue there and and especially so in in a big ESPN game the way that we're it's going to be set up on Friday.
0: Yeah, I I would be shocked if Porzingis ends up guarding Davis directly. Uh yeah. he teams have been looking to pull him away from the basket. Uh um, for good reason. <laughs> he's he, yeah, he's he's a good help-side shot blocker. He also his movement laterally was poor before the ACL tear. And Mm. since you, I try not to overreact to this stuff, but there have been just a lot of plays where I can tell he is trying to bait guys into shots so that he Mm. can go for blocks. And then he ends up giving up like open layups. Um, Paul Millsap last night against Denver went on a nine Oh scoring run against Porzingis because Porzingis just wasn't playing very hard. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can't match up against Davis and get, in be be able to do anything against Davis going downhill, I agree with the theory that he might be able to bump him a little bit more, but that's just not his play style. He is even he's bulked up to take some kind of some of the 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 base beating in terms of boxing mm. out. He's actually done pretty well the past few games in terms of rebounding, but I still don't think he enjoys contact. Uh, even going to the rim, he looks for ways to kind of slither around it. Um, and that just might be the way he plays. And that's something yeah. that you know, somebody like me, is going to have to get used to because when you go watch a guy like LeBron, absolutely. And, and Luca to a lesser extent and James Harden and some of these other, you know, guys that are rim, you know, that really love to attack the rim, they relish the contact yeah. and, you know, they finish through contact. And like, so the, the strength stuff is always, is something I'm always fascinated by because I, you know. I think if I, from a fan perspective, I kind of prefer the more finesse game just because I, I, I don't want to watch guys back down. I don't want to watch thousands of dribbles. I like, you know, like you watching Zion. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. So, like the fact that AD a, a is kind of, you know, I, I know he doesn't want to bang himself. But the fact that he's seeing what his best life can be in some of these, you know, not all the time circumstances at the five, but occasional circumstances at the five is pretty fun for basketball fans, because obviously in a situation like last night, he just starts going to work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and with the Lakers, actually, one of the topics that Pete and I talked about after last night's game was that Dwight so as great as he's been on defense and that should that is getting the most attention or whatever at, just because it stands out the most but the way he's approaching the game on offense is just as impactful to me cuz he isn't asking for post touches he hasn't had a post touch this year i don't think not, not since the preseason and uh he's setting these monster screens he at one point last night i thought was going to kill jay crowder like jay crowder <laughs> who's who's not like Crowder is not a a small guy and he walked away from that screen like what the he almost killed Terry Rozier the night before or the game before Uh, so he's really relishing in his role and what that has allowed is for Davis to be this kind of four or five hybrid where they just they just match up hunt for him and depending on the help defense kind the, the, the way that the other team is playing their help defense if they aren't getting over to help fast enough Davis is just getting to the rim or getting to the free throw line and and I think that's where you know Dallas it makes for an interesting matchup because it's not like Dwight is going to be able to pull KP away from the rim right that's right. not that's not how, how that's going to work so if you know if let's say Kuzma plays and he goes out there and they're able to match up Hunt and you have a situation where it, how do you pronounce it Kleba? Yeah, I see, yeah, it's Kleba? it looks like
0: Kleber, but it's Kleba.
1: Yeah, so if, if Kleba is matched up at some point with Davis and Kuzma is out there or they're playing small where they have a smaller four out there and that person is being guarded by KP, well, that's going to make for an interesting borderline problematic problem for the er, situation for Dallas. But mm-hmm. if it's Dwight out there, if it's JaVale out there and they aren't pulling... Porzingis away from the rim, that type of help defense will force uh, Davis into those kinds of fadeaway jumpers that drive me insane. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really excited for this game.
0: I, I, these, these, I'm, you can tell I'm getting old because I'm out here on the East Coast and like <laughs> anything past an 8 30 start time, I kind of get that Clint Eastwood face. <laughs> and, yeah. and this game, I think, is, is it, is it is it nine thirty East Coast time on a Friday night, which, you know, it's it's okay. I'll make it work. It'll be, uh, but it, that you know, at least it's a great game worth staying up for. Yeah. Well, yeah, that makes it take, easier. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I'm pretty sure I we you know obviously we will talk more throughout the season. I'll probably the you know LeBron hasn't been to Dallas since 2017. Uh, The huh. two game he missed the the one game they were going to play last year because he had you know hurt his groin. He's um, ducking Berea. Right, exactly. He did, And now you know. Bere is
1: hurt, so he, he's doing, he's going back. Barea hasn't
0: played any yet. He's gotten three do not plays in a row, or four do not plays in a row, and I am in my feelings about that, but I won't say which side because I don't want <laughs> to pick off any of our fans. Um, yeah, but I would love to have you back on when we get a little more tape on these guys because – you know, you never know with the way the season drags out. This might be one of the few times that all four guys are actually playing at the same time. Yep. Uh and so they're you know, you, you never want to draw too many conclusions from one game, but you know, what would the fun in that be if we
1: didn't? So <laughs> that's like my entire Spiel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've made a career out of overreacting. (laughs) Well, again, uh Fred, thank you, or Anthony.
0: Sorry, Anthony (laughs) Erwin, thank you for coming on. Uh, you know, Kirk Your Enthusiasm. And everybody out there, if you're still listening to me, remember to rate, review, search Mavs Moneyball Podcast, subscribe, tell your friends. This has somehow become a fairly successful podcast in under a month of NBA. So, uh, everybody, and in, uh, in, I hope you all have a good Halloween and enjoy the Mavs Lakers game Friday night. I will be with you again after the game. Have a good day.